1 Corinthians chapter 16, I'm going to begin in verse 5. This is Paul, he's speaking to the church in Corinth. He's writing this letter to the leaders there, and he kind of opens with a few points uh, in this part of the, the message, and then I'll hit on what is really what I really want to speak about. He says, Now I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I am passing through Macedonia. And it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you, if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. A great and effective door has opened for me. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, as we come to this place, Lord, I ask you to speak through me. I ask you to take charge, to take front and center stage, to steal the show, and God, communicate the power of your truth, of your message, to each and every heart that's open before you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. For a great and effective door has opened for me. It's important that we recognize that when we are doing the Lord's work, when we are called to move forward in, a, in the vision that he has for our lives, guys, our destiny, we have to realize, and this is something that, quite honestly, I have not always got right in the past, but we have to realize that it is always God who does the opening of the doors that we are intended to walk through. Our part is recognizing that a door is opening and by faith walking through that door. But it's the hand of God and the finger of God at work in our lives that actually does the opening of that doorway of opportunity that's being set before us. Bible says that God opens doors that no man can open. And for me, I want to be walking through doors consistently in my life that I personally am incapable of opening. Because that is the divine path that God would have all of us to be on. It keeps us in a place of faith. Right, It keeps us a little bit uncomfortable because in our strength, we can't unlock the things. We can't open the things up. But if you're like me, you've maybe made mistakes in the past and you feel like there's a door that's supposed to be opening and you want to grab on and you want to force the thing open so that you can walk through because you feel like it's your time. And I've learned through much mistake and, and much forcefulness into things that were by, more by my hand than by the hand of God, that that is ultimately much less desirable for us in the end than if we will just trust the Lord and be patient and allow Him to be the one who opens any door that it is that we are to walk through. Amen? Another thing that I've learned, guys, is that when we feel... God is leading us in a direction. Something as big as this, right? Making a commitment to step forward and take on the obligation of a property and a building and all of these things. That I can only be as sure 
as I can possibly be where the Lord is leading at any given time. And I would say that that's the case for anyone. The, the Bible says, Paul says, he says, we know in part, we see in part, we prophesy in part, right? So there's always going to be a level of my humanness that's associated with my interpretation of what God is speaking at any given time. And because of that, I am aware that I'm a flawed person and I can make mistakes. So I lean on the wisdom and the discernment of God. And when I recognize that, I be, that God is opening a door and it's time to walk through, through, here's the other important part that we must always maintain in our prayer life. That if that door is not supposed to be a door that is opening to us, if that is not a door that we are supposed to be walking through, that we trust as we seek our Heavenly Father's path before us, that He will always be faithful to close the door if it's meant to be closed. Amen? And I've been in this situation before. When we were moving over here to Waterloo, when we were moving our family to the community, to, to, to plant our feet and to get ingrained in this area, to become part of the community and do the work that God was calling, it was, it was just another step in the process, but it was a huge step. And we felt that we, it was time, and we felt that we found the right home. And, and, and so, but we knew that if, if we were wrong, if we were mistaken, if we were missing something, that we were at peace because we could trust a loving, gracious God to cover our error if we were wrong and to shut a door that he did not intend to open for us. And so whenever we had the property that we wanted to buy, we put a, an offer down and God just worked the thing out where we were able to get it at an incredible price for what it was that we were purchasing. And we had this contingency deal. So we were going to sell our other house, right? Some people may be going through something just like this right now. And we had to sell our other house in order for us to get this new place. And then, wouldn't you know it, God, he's always testing you know, our, our faith, right? He's always looking for a response of faith from us. We had this situation come where somebody else came in and offered them more money for the house than what we already had a contract for. So we had to lift our contingency within 72 hours if we wanted to move forward on that property. Now, here's the kicker. My real estate agent didn't get the message from their agent till 48 hours after the initial notice was given. So I had 24 hours to make a decision and make sure that it could even work financially. And I was flustered, quite frankly. I was pretty upset, you know. But, you know, I'm a pastor, so you don't cuss people out when those things happen. <laughs> you just don't do that, JJ, all right? And you're a worship leader, so that goes for you too, all right? Everybody else, you're off the... I'm just kidding, no. No profane word come out of your mouth. All right. So, so, we, so we scrambled, and the first thing we did is we, we obviously went back to, to the Lord. We went back and we prayed, and we're like, God, if this is supposed to close, if this is your way of saying this isn't it, then okay, that's fine. We'll walk away from it. But we really believe that this was it. This was the, the one. This was the time. It was all going to work out. 
And so instead of something happening where that other person walked away, we had to raise our faith and we had to decide that we were going to go out and try to get a loan to buy this house while we still had the other house. And so we went to one bank and they declined us because of the debt to income ratio. You know, the payments all added up would exceed what we were able to do. And so then I went to another bank and I mean, literally, this was the last option with the amount of time that we had. Went to another bank that was supposedly able to do some non-conventional stuff and work with you on things that were, were not traditional situations. And we got the approval literally like Friday night at 5 o'clock. And that was about the deadline that we had to show proof of financing in order to move forward on the contract, lift our contingency, and lock the other person out of being able to get that. And it happened, I'm not kidding you, within minutes, not hours of when it had to happen. And so... But, but, our, but our posture, I tell you that because I, I want to say that our posture the entire time was we were as certain as we could be that God was leading. He was moving us forward in an area. But if God was to close the door, we would have been perfectly fine with that, right? So what I'm saying is, is that if this door here is supposed to close, then we trust that God has something better for us. But at this particular point in time, I'm as sure as I can be, we are as sure as we can be, that this is the work that the Lord is doing right now. This is the opportunity and the door that He is opening up for us. And we are going to walk forward in faith, trusting Him to either provide and make available all of the provision and resources to equip us to do what's necessary such as we all should in our own lives at any given time, or we will trust that he will close the door because we're really seeking his will more than anything else. And if he chooses to, it's because he has something better planned for us. Amen. Now, what's also interesting to me that Paul says here in this passage that really speaks to my heart is it's not just guys, about some, a door opening so that we can be blessed. Now, that's a part of it. We know God, always, he's always a good God. He always has our best intentions, our best uh, he, blessings intended for us whenever we're his children. But here's what's important to recognize is that a great and effective door is opening to Paul so that Paul can go and do kingdom work that he is called to do. See, the word effective in the Greek means almost like a supernatural kind of work that requires the empowerment of, of God himself in order to sustain that thing. And so what Paul recognized is he recognized here that, and, and quite frankly, we know from some of his other writings, he wasn't particularly excited about being in Ephesus because there were a lot of issues going on there that he was up against. You saw that he even said that there is much how did he put it? That there are many adversaries here. But Paul recognized that God was opening in a door and that there was an effective, efficient, godly work that Paul was able to do in this area to be able to reach people for Christ because God was opening the door and he was sustaining the work as he was walking through that. And so I say to you today, guys, this is not about a building. 
okay? I don't care any more about a building than I do about any other building that's out there. This is about a work that God has called us to do here in this community, and this is a step in the process of him establishing us, not a building, but a base of operation, if you will, so that we can more effectively go on to do the work that he's already begun through us in this community here. There is an effective work that's happening. I am certain of it. The evidence is before me. Each and every month that we go forward, I hear more and more stories of ways that God is giving us favor in this community, the way he is touching people's lives through this church. It is unbelievable and awestruck from... I'm awestruck all the time at seeing the way God has already used us in this minimal amount of time since we've begun. And I am even more excited to think about all the things that God is going to continue to do through us as a church, meaning all of us in our lives. You've heard the the term, rising tides raise all ships, right? Well, listen, as our church is, is, God is, taking our church and using us to do a great and effective work in the area, in the community. I, I announce to you that as you are plugged in in faith, that God will be using you in your life and increasing your influence in favor in order to do more of the things that he wants, that he's calling you to do in your purpose and in your destiny. And that's the vision of our church is that all of us are walking in this God-given purpose that he's called us to in our lives and we're impacting and affecting a world around us who's desperate for the truth of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can clap. That's great. Yeah. And I have no notes, so I don't even know where I'm supposed to go from here. But a great and effective door is opening. Actually, I do know what I want to say. Listen to this. Open your Bibles to, I think it's Second Chronicles. Yes, chapter 20, okay? Listen, I trust God. I trust him every step of the way. I really don't trust myself, but I trust God every step of the way in what it is that he's calling us to do and that he will make provision and that he will be the one that parts the seas, that, that fights the battle, that makes things available whenever we need him in the times that we need them. Okay, listen to this. This is a story in Second Chronicles about the king of Jehoshaphat. And Israel has been surrounded by the armies of another nation about, from the Ammonites and the Moabites. And they've surrounded them. And it, it appears that it will be impossible for them to be able to win this battle. Numerically, they're outnumbered and there's no way that they can physically win this thing. But listen to this. Jehoshaphat, verse 5 stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? So he's recognizing that in their own strength, they're, they, they are not able to defeat this enemy. They're not able to, to be able to move forward without the work of God, it, without God's hand at work. And so then we jump down here to verse 12. He says, For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Can I tell you something? 
the enemy, if you're focused on the enemy, he's, he can be a, a quite intimidating enemy. But if your eyes are upon God in the midst of a battle, then the enemy is actually quite small. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. There's never an adversary or an opposition that the God we serve is an infinitely bigger and greater and more powerful than. And so they're looking at this and they're, they're humble. They're, they're nervous. We don't know what to do. But they're putting their attention on God. Now listen to this. Verse 15. And he said, listen to you, all of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. And you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Now, let me say something. It's important, guys, that we recognize God is the one who intends on doing battle for us. Our faith is required. Our walk is necessary. But it's God who's actually doing the supernatural part of taking and spreading the seas and opening the doors so that we can continue to walk through them. Jumping down in verse 20, he says, So they rose early in the morning, and they went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. You shall be established. Listen, I believe that this step we're taking is just a step of establishing us more in a position where the work that God is calling us to do can be done in an even more effective manner than we have up to this point. As we seek him, he will continue to establish us and secure us so that we have a base, we have solid ground that we can continue to stand on as we move forward in our calling. You shall be established. Now listen to what they do. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, he set ambushes against the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Israel never lifted a finger. God confused the enemies and because they were singing and praising how great is our God, they were worshiping him, their eyes were upon him, they were facing an impossible battle in their physical strength, and God, by his hand, comes in and wins the battle for them. And this will always be the case in our lives, guys, that what God is calling us to, that if we will keep our eyes upon him and trust in him and worship him for his goodness, because he's just as good in the valleys of our lives as he is in the peaks of our lives. And if we recognize that and there is a response of worship in our lives through the valleys and the peaks alike, then it will be the hand of God that is parting the way and making the path and making progress vision for each and every step that we're called to take. Amen. Amen. Now listen to this really fast. This is pretty awesome here. This is back in 2 Kings and uh, again, Israel is surrounded by enemies and they're surrounded this time by the Syrians 
and the Syrians have sent all these horses and chariots. And Elisha, the prophet, listen to the way he responds to what everyone else is being intimidated or fearful about. Verse 14 says, Therefore they sent, this is Syria, had sent horses and chariots and a great army there. They came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now stop for just a second. Think about this. The servant of the man of God is being told by the man of God, Elisha, Don't worry, there's way more with us than who are with them. He has to be thinking, dude, are you tripping on something? Did you smoke something? I don't know what's going on, but did you see all of the armies? They've surrounded us, and we are very few. So he has to be thinking, right? Like, what is this guy talking about? Like, oh, my gosh, he's lost his rocker. He's off his rocker, right? Now listen to this. And Elisha prayed, verse 17, and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Open his eyes so that he may see what's really happening. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The army of God had been sweeping across the armies of the enemy, across the mountains. And when the man, the servant of the man of God opened his eyes, he saw what he couldn't see in the natural. He saw that God and the armies of God and the angels had already surrounded them and encamped with them in order to do battle and to fight for them so that the victory could be attained. Not in their own strength, but by the hand of God at work in their lives. I feel like, guys, God has surrounded us with his armies. I feel like as we're moving forward, we are called to go and do a powerful work. This isn't just some simple little get together. This isn't something where we can play church. I'll be honest with you, and I just say it this way, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't, I, I wouldn't even be in a work like that. That just wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. This is something that God is calling us to. He has something powerful and mighty that he wants to do through us. There is something in effective and great work that he wants to use us to do here in this community. And he is opening a door before us that we will be able to walk through that will position us to be able to more efficiently go out and do what it is that he's calling us to do. And I am so excited about that. You know, when Nehemiah, I'll close with this. When Nehemiah was speaking the vision to the people about rebuilding the city and rebuilding the temple and the walls of Jerusalem, he began to speak the vision and tell the people what, we were, what they were getting ready to do. And as he did, and the people heard, their response of the people after Nehemiah had communicated the vision, was let us rise up and begin to build. See, there has to be a unity here, guys. There has to be a unity here where we are all in this thing together. I want to do this with you. I want to go and do this work with all of us and those who are still to come. And as they responded, let us rise up and build, 
there is an effective strength that's required for that kind of work that only God is able to provide. And as they recognized that and they moved forward, he was able to strengthen the hand of the work they were doing so that it wasn't by their own might, but it was by the strength of God that they built every last wall, every last building, and began to raise that city back up to be the chosen city that God was calling her to be. Amen. Stand your feet with me today. Actually, sit back down. Sorry about that. Stand. Sit. Yeah. And so, scoot over one chair. No, I'm just. So, listen, we're going to receive our tithe and our offering this morning. We didn't do that at the beginning. And I just, I just want to just say, listen, just pray. Just ask God to speak to you. If he's, if he's prompting you to give, then you should give. If not, then you shouldn't, okay? I'm just going to say it that way. And whatever we sow into this as a church is going to help us, is going to position us to be able to do exactly what God is calling us to do in the future. And we're all in this together. Whether it's through our giving and our resources, whether it's through the work of ministry that he's calling us to do to serve and volunteer, everything that we're doing, we're all in this together is the way I see it. I hope you see it that way too. We're a body. We're united. Let us rise up together, guys, right, and build and do what God is calling us to do. Amen. You know, it's like David, uh, the book of Acts says about David, it says, David served the Lord, the will of the Lord, the purpose of the Lord in his generation. I love that. And we can wait a second. If, give him a few more minutes. He might have jumped. If, if you need more time, go ahead. Fill out the offering envelopes. I'm sorry, I meant to say that too. Life Church envelopes are on your chair. You can write out your checks or cash. You can give online or you can do text to give as well. We have a text number that you can send that to if we can throw that up there real quick. Um, what was I saying? Yeah. So the Bible says in the book of Acts, it says that David serve the purpose of the Lord in his generation. I love this. Because what it says to me is that we all have a unique, specific work to do in the generation that we're in right now. Isn't that amazing? God puts you here in exactly the right years and the right time. And I believe he's put you right here in this church for the right reasons to be a part of a work that we're doing. I just believe that. David served the purpose of the Lord in his generation. I want to be able to say that about my life whenever I go on to be with God. I served you, God, the best that I could with all the faith that I had that you could use me, that I would lay down myself so that a work that you wanted to do at those years and in those times where I was alive in that area that you put me in was able to be done and I didn't get in the way of myself and you were able to use me freely to do something that reached people that would have never been reached should I not obeyed. I want to use us to build the kingdom of God. What greater purpose could our lives possibly serve than to build an eternal kingdom? You realize everything that we do for the kingdom is going to last for eternity. The work that we put our hands to do, it's going to last forever. And the fruit that we see from that, it's going to last forever. There are a lot of things that we can look at in the world and say we could put our hands to do and it will die with us. 
It will be a work that will not last for eternity. It will be a, a work that fades whenever we go on from this place. Let us set our heart and set our minds and seek God to do the work eternally that he's calling each and every one of us to do. Uniquely, in your own way, with your own gifts, a part of a body where each of us can be out serving God and building a kingdom for him that we will be able to see that lasts forever. And although I've never been on the other side, I gotta believe that when we get to heaven, we're gonna look upon this great and mighty thing and we're gonna recognize what God used us to do in this life to build what we see in there for eternity. And that excites me. Now you can stand to your feet today. All right. Hallelujah. I've went a few minutes long. I kind of figured that would happen. I don't have notes, right? So that was, uh, that was probably inevitable today. But listen, I just want to ask you this. I just want to ask you, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling something this morning. It's, I, I feel God stirring me up in some way. And maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, take the wheel. Right? You like that? Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> The song, anyway. If you've never said, Jesus, take over. I'll surrender my life to you fully. And I want you to come in and make me who you've wanted me to be. I turn from my old ways and I turn to you now. If you've never made that decision out of your own free will, I ask you right now in this place today, invite Jesus into your heart. He died for you so that you could be saved. He gave the ultimate, he paid the ultimate price so that a price that you could never pay on your own so that you could have a relationship with God so that you could live in eternity and so that you could do a mighty work that he's calling you to do in this life. Just invite him into your heart today. Say, dear Father God, come and, and live with me now. God, make me into who you've created me to be. I surrender my whole life. I give you full reign, God. Take over. Help me to become everything it is that you're calling me to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.